Hello and welcome to the RBC Broadview Campus Sermon Podcast. Our mission here is loving God, loving people and seeing lives change. At RBC, our heart is to build a Jesus-centered community to see lives changed in multiple languages and locations. We hope you enjoy this message from one of our weekend services. To find out more about us, please visit our website, rbc.org.au. Good morning, everyone. Um, as Maria said, my name is Rachel, and um, I'm very uh, pleased to be speaking to you this morning. So welcome to Broadview. It's lovely to have you um, with us. So today we're um, continuing our series on Lent. This is a, um, the second week of series, second week of this series that we're looking at in the season of Lent. So um, Lent might not be something that's very familiar to you. It's probably more common in um, different um, church traditions, not as common in Baptist churches. It's not something that I've grown up with, um, but it's something that in more recent years, um, it's something that I've really come to appreciate. So Lent is the 40 days leading up to Easter, and it's a time of preparation, confession, repentance, and reorientation towards Jesus, who he is, and what he's done for us. At Easter, we remember and we celebrate what Jesus did for us on the cross. But what the gospel tells us, what the gospels tell us about the life of Jesus, not only his death, but also the way that he lived, what he said, who we met with, who he spoke with, this also is meant to speak powerfully to us in showing us who Jesus is and what God is like and what it looks like to follow him. And during the season of Lent, so the weeks leading up to Easter, we're going to explore together the words of Jesus about why he came and what this means for us. Jesus was the long-awaited Messiah. His people had been waiting for a deliverer forever. The anointed one. At that time, the people were living under Roman rule and they were waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue them. But Jesus was different to what they might have expected. He was poor. He'd spent time as a refugee when he was a child. He was from a not very important town and a not very important family. And his life probably looked different to what people expected. And a lot of the time, people didn't understand what Jesus was doing, what he was there for. And there's a whole lot of times in the Gospels that Jesus used this statement, I have come. And it's these words, the different times that he said that and what he um, was talking about that we're going to explore together throughout this series. As Miriam's um, already um, said this morning, last week we introduced this series looking at repentance. Chris was talking about the words of Jesus in Luke 5, 32. I've not come to call the righteous, the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And the call of Jesus is to repent, but not only this, but to bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Our lives need to look different. It's not just enough to repent, but we need to change what we do. This is a, a key part of Lent. 
the right at the beginning of Lent is Ash Wednesday, which um, again in our church tradition isn't as well known um, by um, by in Baptist circles, but in some church traditions, people wear ashes on their foreheads as a sign of our need for repentance and forgiveness. I was reading that um, back, back, back in church history, this was something that was done by people that had committed very grave sins, as Miriam already alluded to, um, but it became something that everybody did in the acknowledgement that we are all sinners, we are all in need of Jesus. And so in many ways, spending the season of Lent as a time of repentance and confession and reorientation towards Jesus also reminds us of the way that we need Jesus because it shows us this contrast between who Jesus is and who we are. And it reminds us of what he's done and his grace towards us. Reflecting on our need for him brings us to a place of gratitude as we approach Easter and we remember what he has done for us. So today we're going to look at the words of Jesus in John chapter 10, verse 10. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. And Jesus said this statement in the context of talking about himself as a good shepherd. Jesus often told stories about um, using illustrations for things to try and explain things. And in this context, he was talking about, I am a good shepherd. Um, and he was talking about he, come, he has come to protect and care for and guide the sheep. And um, in contrast to thieves that just want to bring harm. So in verse 10, he says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So those words, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. What does that mean to you? When you think about life to the full, what comes to mind? What messages do we get about life to the full from the world around us? We live in a very consumer-driven culture and advertisements around us every day present their images of what they want us to think life to the full looks like. Because advertisements don't always focus just on their products. They focus on what your life would look like if you had this product. Your life would be easier, it would be more fun, it would be more relaxing, you'd have more friends, you'd have better looking dinner parties, you'd have a better relationship. Just if you buy this car or this house or these clothes or go on this holiday, live your best life, the life that you've always wanted. This is what you deserve. And even churches can be um, guilty of churning out some of this messaging sometimes. This is what the world around us, and this is what we see around us about what life to the full looks like. But was it what Jesus was talking about? We don't see these things in Jesus. It doesn't match what he talks about, and it doesn't match how he lives his life. So what did he mean when he said, I've come to bring life to the full? 
the model that Jesus gives us, the way that he lived his life, was a life lived in obedience to God. The Jewish people lived by following the law, God's law that he had given them to teach them how to follow him. Laws about justice and care for others and faithfulness and purity. These laws formed the covenant between God and his people that set them apart from the nations around them. There are a lot of laws. And Jesus lived in obedience to the way God, his, God called his people to live. In Matthew five seventeen, Jesus says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Through Jesus' death on the cross, what he has done for us, we have forgiveness of sins. We're no longer captive to the impossible standards that the law requires. We have grace through what Jesus has done for us. We're not bound to the old covenant that required a keeping of the law. But this is not something that we take lightly. The book of Romans talk about this. We don't sin more because we have grace to cover it. We still need to live a life in obedience to God, not because we are bound to the law, but because Jesus teaches us to shape our lives after him because this is life to the full. We still need to live a life that follows Jesus we model ourselves in the way that we live after him. So what does a life lived in obedience to God look like? What does it look like to live a life that follows Jesus? Jesus lived a life that included others. He cared for the vulnerable. He cared for those on the edges of society. We see this again and again throughout the Gospels. And he modeled a life where he would withdraw to pray because he showed us what it looked like to be dependent on God. In Matthew chapters 5 to 7, there's a block of teaching of Jesus that we call the Sermon on the Mount. And this gives us a great overview in how to live a life that looks like following Jesus. Matthew chapter 5, 3 to 10, which has come to be called the Beatitudes, records Jesus as saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's so different to what we see in the world around us. It's so vastly countercultural, so different to what we see on advertisements and even in our interactions with people. Um, where blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth, when all we're taught is to be, to get more, be more, hold more, and more power. This is telling us, be merciful, be peacemakers, hunger and thirst for righteousness, not for things, not for power, not for affirmation, not for the um, praise of people around you, but for righteousness. 
This is what we should long for. Theologian N.T. Wright says that with these proclamations, Jesus wasn't only telling people how to live, but was proclaiming this is what the kingdom of God looks like, where all the usual things we know are turned upside down. This is what the kingdom looks like now that Jesus has come. Jesus goes on in verse 13 of Matthew 5, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Just as in the Old Testament, God's people were called to be set apart from the nations around them. In the same way, Jesus is telling us to be salt and light, showing what God is like. This is a sign to the people around us. Again, N.T. Wright says, Jesus wasn't intending to abandon abandoned the law and prophets. Israel's whole story, commands, promises, and all was going to come true in him. But now that he was here, a way was opening up for Israel and through that, all the world to make God's covenant a reality in their own selves, changing behavior, not just by teaching, but by a change of heart and mind itself. Not just changing what we do or tweaking things a little bit but a change of our whole hearts and our whole minds and the way that we think about things and what we value and later on in the same section of teaching in Matthew continuing the Sermon of the Mount Jesus teaches us how to treat others how to pray and our um, Wednesday life group has been working through the Lord's Prayer together how to give to others. He talks about fasting. He talks about loving our enemies. He talks about what should be important to us. He talks about um, giving to people who are in need. N.T. Wright says, The Sermon on the Mount isn't just how to behave. It's about discovering the living God in the loving and dying Jesus and learning to reflect that love ourselves in the world it needs so badly. It's not just what we do. It's about discovering God and what God is like and showing that love to the people around us. And living this way, is a life lived in obedience to the life that Jesus has called us to. A life that follows Jesus is a life to the full, a life of flourishing for us, extending out to the world. We've talked quite a bit at Broadview about shalom, which is one of the overriding big themes of the Bible. And often when we find this word in the Bible, it's translated peace. But flourishing is a more accurate equivalent because it encompasses wholeness and completeness and well-being, not just an absence of conflict but the presence of something. And shalom is referring to God's plan for humanity, his plan for reconciliation and right relationships with God and others and the world around us. Jesus came to bring 
reconciliation between God and humanity. And the actions of Jesus, what he did on the cross, brought about the true fulfillment of shalom, wholeness, right relationships, justice, salvation, and righteousness. What Jesus did means that all things are being set to right for how things should be. And um, theologian Walter Brueggemann says that shalom is not only an incredible gift, it is a most demanding mission. It calls for active resistance against anything that disrupts well-being in a person, a community, nation or creation. It's not passive, it's not tranquil. And this is what Jesus meant when he spoke of life to the full, not just a life of peace or achievement or contentment, in our um, things, but a flourishing in a way that is active, that stands against injustice as we model ourselves against the life of Jesus. This isn't easy because the life of Jesus also led him to the cross, living in a way that is countercultural, loving your enemy, giving to people in need but not bragging about it. These are hard and challenging and countercultural things. But this is how Jesus calls us to live. Because a life lived in obedience to God doesn't just result in a life of flourishing for ourselves, but also flourishing for the world around us. A life that shows us what the kingdom of God is like. And this is what Jesus meant when he said, I have come that you might have life to the full. A life lived in obedience to Jesus that reflects the kingdom of God. So what does this mean for our lives? Firstly, what does it mean for our priorities? How do we spend our time? If Flourishing, if obedience to Jesus is important, how is that reflected in our day-to-day life and what we do with our time? Don't know about you, but my life at the moment probably looks like one of my priorities is Netflix, um, which is easy to, it's the end of the day and you're tired and um, it's very easy to justify that and there does need to be balance and rest. But if somebody looked at my life and how I was spending my time, what would it say about my priorities? What about money? How are we using our money well? We had a real, really challenging message from Steve from Baptist World Aid a few weeks back about money. And Steve challenged us that the way that we use our money is partnership. When we are spending our money, we are giving to something or someone, we are partnering with that, with that thing. We are saying, this is worth putting my money into. We are causing that thing to grow, to flourish. Where are we putting our money? Where are we partnering? What about relationships? Does the way that you are interacting with others reflect life to the full in a way that Jesus, Jesus models that Jesus teaches us. Jesus said a lot about how we should treat other people, how we should um, 
love our enemies, pray for people that persecute you. And that is hard because if you, we're all pretty nice people. If we, if we, <laughs> if we have enemies, it's probably because there's something wrong with them, right? It's not because it's wrong with us. So praying for them is hard. Forgiving people that have wronged us is hard. Knowing how to genuinely wish well for somebody can be difficult. It's so countercultural to what we know. But this is what Jesus calls us to. This is life to the full. Imagine what it could look like if a community of people lived life this way. On Friday, I did a bit of a walk around um, the streets with Neighbour Day next week. Um, I was dropping off some flyers and some letterboxes um, around at a time, so junior youth are continuing it with it today. Um, but as I was walking around and I was thinking and I was um, praying a little bit for the, um, the streets around us, and we've said it here before, we want our church to be a place of difference. We want... If for some reason we disappeared in the middle of the night, we, want, we would want people to notice that we are gone. A life to the full, a life following Jesus is a life that, that is salt and light, a light that shows what God's kingdom is like. And if we can all live in that way, what a difference it would make to our community. So during this season of Lent, let's take this opportunity to examine our lives. Are we living lives following Jesus well that reflect the kingdom of God? Jesus came to bring life to the full. How might we seek to live a full life of obedience, to reflect who Jesus is to those around us. Let's pray. King Jesus, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you came. We thank you that um, your grace is given undeservedly, unconditionally, Lord, um, that through your death on the cross, um, we have forgiveness and reconciliation and restoration with you. But we thank you, Lord, that you show us what life to the full looks like. You model a life for us, Lord, and we pray that your spirit will be with us, your spirit will guide us, that um, as we go about our life this week, you will keep prompting us the things that... Um, do or don't look like you, Lord. Help us to follow you well. Help us to um, live in a way that you taught us um, as a way of um, flourishing in our lives and bringing flourishing to the world around us. Pray that your Holy Spirit will go with us and guide us in that this week, Lord. Amen.